Thank you for having me here. Uh, don't be scared about my handout. We won't read everything. Uh, it's quite long. And I will just say the number of the texts we are reading. So uh, the unity of being for Aristotle is not of a conceptual nature. For this reason, being is not a genus. As the concept of a genus is predicated of species, but not of the differences among them, being on the contrary, is predicated of all entities and their differences. Animality, such a genus, is predicated of both humans and horses, but not of the differences among them, such as rationality and quadrupedal nature. Thus, the categories are not the species of a higher genus constituted by being, but are, not, but are the genera of entities above which there is no other common genus. The partial irreducibility of the categories combined with the multivocity of being, do not qualify the latter as a mere name, making it an equivocal term, or monuma, equivocus in the scholastic. If we were to admit complete equivocity, communication would be impossible, as each thing that could be spoken of would have in common only the name of being, but not common references capable of conveying meaning. For these reasons, Aristotle finds the unity of the multiple meanings of being, first and foremost, in its dependence of the first category, that which of existence, usia substantia in Latin, which expresses what something is through an identity predication between the subject and predicate. The answer to the question, what is something, provides a definition of the thing, establishing an essential relationship between subject and predicate. All other categories, apart from that of substance, do not essentially identify the subject, but rather qualify it, quantify it, describe a relation such as fatherhood, for instance, or provide a location. In these cases, the relationship between subject and predicate is not essential, but merely accidental, express attributions. The problem of being and its predictability has been a specific interest of metaphysics and long after, after Aristotle has been a subject of continuous debate in the philosophical tradition. One of the most illustrious examples of medieval debate spanning the 13th and 14th centuries is represented, as we saw yesterday with Dr. Smith, by the thought of Jonathan Scotus. The issue concerning being is addressed in a unique way. Scotus' defense of the university is based on the assumption that two things can be primarily different in reality, even they are not conceptually. Even though the univocal concept of being ends is a real concept, as it has been abstract from the actual essence of something accessible to the senses, this does not conclude university outside the soul. Thus, the university of being is primarily a conceptual matter and not a matter of reality outside the soul. Scotus starts with the, the Aristotelian definition of university found in the categories. In his Questiones Super Predicamenta Aristoteles, he defines univocal as those terms that are truly said, of which both common name and the same according to the name, the rat, ratio substantia is the same. Without mentioning the definition of university in his Ordinatio, Scotus develops two conditions to support university, which link it to the principle of non-contradiction. <clears throat> a concept is univocal if possesses 
a sufficient unity such that a contradiction can be verified by affirming and denying the same thing concerning the same concept. A univocal concept is sufficient as the middle term of a syllogism to avoid the fallacy of equivocation in the connection between the two terms. Only by starting from these conditions can we understand Scotus' arguments known as the concepto certo et dubio. The principle of non-contradiction holds fundamental importance also in Francis of Mayron. Reflection, to the extent that one could argue that, regardless of the type of knowledge, intuitive, abstractive, and so on, it ensures the validity of all knowledge. The truth of this principle is included in the primum principium complexum as the first principle and concerns the entire creation since it closely pertains to the possibility of predicated being in a non-contradictory manner. Meron's believes that predications such as creature are either necessary or not necessary, contingent or not contingent, can be directly deduced from this principle. Furthermore, this principle is valid even in relation to God, to whom can be applied statements like God is eternal or not eternal. The reason for its validity, both horizontally and vertically, between creatures and from them to the Creator, is that the subject of his principle, which is being, possesses the same ratio, whether it is applied to God or when it is said of creatures. Uh, text 1 talked about this, the thing. We won't read the text one, I think, yes. Uh, from a metaphysical standpoint, the latter argument has a very important implication. Indeed, both God and the creature fall under a single idea of being. Otherwise, no non-contradictory statement about God would be possible. In fact, Miron concludes shortly, ex quo enim sub eadem ratione formali invenitur in Deo, et creatura, sequitur quod unum et idem invenitur in Deo et creatura. In this sense, the predicate of the primum principium complexum is a suitable object for the intellect. The validity of all human knowledge of natural things presupposes the truth of this principle, the removal of which would not lead to any natural knowledge of God and would also destroy the physical proof of his existence, since we would be unable to trace back to a primum movens. The extremes of a contradiction are incompatible due to the contradictoriness of the same formal rationes of the terms, regardless the reality with which something manifests itself. Meron says that these extremes inherently possess a repugnance, and in the case of a most perfect nature, this repugnance is even more pronounced. If God's infinity were to eliminate the sense of contradiction, this elimination would apply to every contradictory predication. So one could simultaneously assert his eternity and non-eternity, his infinity and non-infinity. The conclusion is that God, in, uh, in God, the principle of non-contradiction holds by the very nature of the thing. In Meroni's demonstration of university within the prologues of the Conflados, he omits both the conditions that Scotus sets for university and the continuation of his argument. Every entity is either said equivocally or univocally, as they are immediately opposed by definition. Tertium non datur. There is no middle ground between having or not the same ratio formalis. Furthermore, Meronis argued that the concept of being cannot be conceived by the intellect except as an inferior, equal, or superior concept. 
in comparison to other concepts. Since being can be predicated of many realities, it must be a superior concept to the others. In fact, any intellect that has one certain concept compossible with two other concepts about which is doubtful, conceive that concept as the instinct and communicable in comparison to the two about which there is doubt, there is doubt, and as communicable, that the concept is also univocal. And the text too, you can see the um, Maroni's uh, proof of university that we saw yesterday in the conflato, so we will go on. In the demonstration of the ordinatio, Scotus' conclusion consists of two different parts. The first, ergo conceptus entis est aliter abutroque, emphasized that the concept of ends is distinct from the proper concept of God and the proper concept of creatures. The second part, et salvatur in utroque, ergo est conceptus univocus, concludes that the common concept of being between the two is univocal in relation to the proper concept. The historical philosophical interpretation of Scotus' doctrine of the university of being has often associated this theoretical aspect with the new conception of metaphysics, elevating it to the primary science of ens in quantum ens, a non-theology, transcendent and science, uh, transforming the Aristotelian conception of theology, which was concerned with immaterial being into a theology also concerned with material being, emphasizing this significance of university as the origin of development of modern metaphysics, as Dumontin noticed, this point of view tends to stress the importance of the concept of transcendentality and to regard Scotus' innovation more as a break with, rather than a stage in, the medieval Aristotelian tradition. Dumont's argument highlights that this viewpoint is not the only way to analyze Scotus' doctrine of university, and furthermore, it was not even Scotus' viewpoint, probably. The reflection is fundamental when considering the immediate debate following Scotus. Maronis focuses on Scotus' conclusion regarding university of the concept, emphasizing university of the concept itself without highlighting, at least the first stage, the diversity of proper concept of God and creature. In fact, when responding to those who argue that there are two concepts, Meron exerts all his efforts in emphasizing how the concept of being is one certain for the intellect, different alium univocal, univocum. It is true that his certainty of univocal concept of being is not related to a specific concept, but rather to a concept that arises ex communibus, and only is in this sense is univocal. He primarily dedicates his argumentative effort to describe the univocal concept of being, the main characteristic of which can be summarized as certus idem apud omnes ex communibus generalis communis abstractus a conceptu absoluti et respectivi. Another clarification regarding this concept is that it should be not understood as an act of understanding, but as a quiditative concept. This concept should, should not be thought of as a concept of reason alone. It is to, though in fact, pro quiditate cognita ad quam terminatur actus intellectus vel pro ratione quiditativa ad quam terminatur actus intelligenti. In the second question of the prologue of the Conflatus, Meronis clarifies the manner in which the term concept referring to being should be understood and how it can be predicated univocally when, in the context of the primum principium complexum, is, it is related to both God and creatures. The concept does not mean concept as an act of the intellect, does not mean concept as an ens rationis, because the question pertains to an essential predicate, which, which ens rationis is not. By concept, 
Meirones means a quiddative concept. This concept cannot be thought as an objecto in esse cognito because it's a product of reasons. Referred to being, the concept must be understood as the quiditas known to which the act of understanding terminates or, in other words, the quiditative ratio itself. According to this precise definition of concept, Meron states that being has a single and univocal concept for both God and creatures. Before understanding how to place and interpret Meron's defense of university, it is necessary to present how Meron's conceive terms such as equivocals, univocals, and denominatives. To trace this definition, it is necessary to refer to his commentary on Aristotle's categories, where the first three passos are dedicated to defining this term. In Aristotle's categories, equivocal terms, equivoca in Latin, are defined in the correspondence of name with a different meaning. Synonym, synonymy univocus, on the other hand, indicates a correspondence of both name and substantial ratio. In the context of how being can be said, the question is whether it is not a mere equivocal to cur, or if it is not a merely equivocal, meaning it does not fall into the broader meaning of homonymy. Uh, Syrian, an interpreter of Aristotle, interprets the second possibility accompanying homonymy with the adverb haplos, stating that being is equivocal, but not in the manner of the category. Instead, it is a homonymo pros n. Meront defines equivocal terms as those terms quorum nomen et solum commune est secundum illud nomen substantia ratio diversa ut animal homo et quod dipingitur. He presents different, four different types of equivocation. Um, in his commentary on the categories, Simplicius divides equivocal terms into homonymous by intention and plain homonymous known by, by chance. The uh, equivocal homonymy that derives from intention are further divided into four different types by similarity, by analogy, by deriv derivation, and then the fourth type, uh, two things that are related to a common purpose, as in saying healthy for both food and medicine. On the other hand, Meirones consider equivocation either simplex or secundum quid, mentioning the division between intentional and by chance equivocity. Concerning equivocation secundum quid, also posits two ways to understand secundum quid, which according to the first, secundum quid is literal, as when man is said of the dead only in a diminished sense, conferring to attribution to one, in a definition that seems to include analogous by attribution among equivocals. On the contrary, the other way to understand secundum quid is only partial and classifies the equivocal under university. Text 4, uh, dicitur autem simplex et secundum quid intelliguntur duabus modis, aut quando secundum quid dicitur diminute sive substractive, sicut in proposito, et sic est quarta species, quia homo mortus non dicitur homo nisi in attribuzione ad hominem verum, 
out quando secundum quid accipitur parzialiter sicut albus dentes secundum quid dicitur albus et istud non est equivocum sed univocum licet parzialiter. This kind of university is the sort of, uh, of aliqualiter univocum or secundum quid univocum. Um, Scotus on theory of university is based on this kind of university and could be that could be found also at the end of the prologue in the Ordinatio. And uh, Myron's definition of univocal terms starts with the Aristotelian one, according to which terms are univocal when they are not only share the same name but also the substantial ratio. Univocal predication occurs when, for example, animality is said of both humans and oxen because it is understood in the same way in both cases. Univoca, uh, text 5, univoca dicuntur quorum nomen et commune est et secundum illud nomen e adem substantia ratio, ut animal homo bos, capitulo primo. It would seem, therefore, that for university to occur, it is sufficient for the univocates to have the same common essence, just as brutes have the same essence uh, in animals. In this case of univocals, the substantial essence is also understood as quiddity. An interesting, interesting objection relates to the fact that two individuals of the same species can only have the substantial, same substantial essence, and yet when the same proper name, like John, is applied to both of these individuals, it is not said univocally. The two individuals share the same essence according to the name of their species as human, but not when it comes to proper names. And Meroni says, text 6, that individua talia habent quidem unam rationem secundum nomen sue specie, sed non in quantum nomina propria sunt eis communia, nisi forte aliquod accidens, unde, I'm sorry for that typo, es unde, obviously, sic appellentur sit eis commune et tunc foret univocatio in illo accidente, sicut due Ioannes in gratia fuerunt equales. This text leads, or at least presuppose, different level, combined with the thing we said before of university. Um, it is important to emphasize that the concept of being is a quiditive quiditative concept, but this does, does not mean that we know the quiddity of God, because in Simplicitre Simplicibus and Primo Diversis, the concept of being is included denominatively. Text 7, in Simplicitre Simplicibus et in Primo Diversis, includitur ens denominative secundum quod est adjectivum e non quiditative. Nec oportet ad verificandum primum principium, quod dicatur quiditative sicut ista est fera, homos est albus vel non albus simpliciter. The validity of the principle extends not only in terms of quiddity, but also to propositions that are predicated denom denominatively. At the first sight, the difference is that in the latter, nothing necessary is predicated, and this predication is not coessential with the subject, but should be understood only in an attributive sense. For example, whiteness, unlike risibility, does not intrinsically belong to a man, and it's not predicable in quid with respect to him. Moreover, there cannot be a demonstration propter quid in the knowledge of God, because God, as simplicity or simplex, is indefinable. 
the syllogism every man is rational animal every rational animal is uh, reasonable every man is reasonable would not be valid with regard to knowledge of god in the sense that nothing can be said about the supreme in a quiditative sense precise understood um, moreover theology is a science meron says that does not proceed demonstratively per discursum but relies on self-evident truths per se nota speaking of being and its precise ratio its passions are such that they are not demonstrable although it can be shown that being is being in a denominative sense text number eight ens est objectum adequatum intellectus nostri accipiendum ens secundum totam latitudinem sue denominazioni denominationis being is the adequate object of the intellect in a denominative sense conceived secundum totam latitudinem sue denominazioni so, um, in fact everything that is not nothing is said to be at the end of text eight omne enim quod est citranil ens dicitur said aliquid dicitur quiditative ens aliquid autem denominative in his categories Aristotle defines denominatives paronuma as predicates that designate the subject according to a name taken from a single reality and differ in inflection, like the grammarian predicate from grammar and um, strong from strength or, uh, yes, courage from courageous and so on. Building on Aristotle's definition, Boethius establishes three conditions for denomination to occur. Text 9. Uh, utre participet, that is, participates in a thing. Post ut nomine, that it follows a name. Postremo ut sit quedam nominis transfiguratio, that it represents a certain transformation of the name. These conditions justify a possible interpretation in terms of participation of denomination. In fact, tria sum necessaria, uh, text number nine, yes. In the work De Grammatico, Anselm raises a question of great relevance. On one hand, grammaticus is a sub substance, because every grammarian is a human, and every human is a substance. On the other, grammaticus is a quality. A human can be understood per se and ut unum as a combination of the characteristic of which is, it is composed where the first is the sub substantiality as the cause of the others, representing a reality that the others depend on to exist. However, the term grammaticus does not mean man and grammaticus in this sense, a single entity. Instead, per se, it refers to grammar and per allude to the man. According to Anselm, a term is denominative when it is the name by which a thing is commonly called. In the case of a man, such a name signifies and denotes the substance, whereas in the case of grammaticus, it signifies grammar and, through anapellatio, denotes the man. Porphyry, on the other hand, attributes an intermediate position to denominatives, resulting from the dual opposition between equivocal multivocals and univocals diversivocals. 
According to Porphyry, denominatives share the same name and the same definition to some extent, while differing under both aspects. These definitions of denomination appear to be familiar to Mayrons, who starts from the definition of denominatives as terms that derive from a common name differ only in terms of inflection. In his definition, there is also a reference to the appellatio mentioned by Anselm and, furthermore, to Porphyry's doctrine. Um, the question of interest is uh, the relationship between denominatives, univocals, and equivocal terms. Text number 10. Illa denominativa ut patuit sint immediata. Unde quandocumque denominativa sunt univoca, sicut risibile, risibile dicitur univoce de individuis hominis et tamen denominative, ut vult expresse plato in sofiste, quandocumque autem sunt equivoca, ut cum album dicitur de albo in voce et albo in corpore, et sic patet quod non condividitur illis. Denomination, therefore, can be understood both univocally, meaning by necessity, it emphasizes a connection between two formal reasons, and equivocally. Essential predicates can be denominatively predicated, as with humans, uh, rationality or sensitivity are predicated. Predication of something essential, stated in quid, occurs when a satisfactory and fitting answer is given to the question, what is it, quid est? Alongside the predication in quid, there is the predication in quale, which depends on quality, something posterior to what is found in quid. And Text number 11, et iterum definitio essentialis quantum ad differentias denominative predicatur, ut cum animal est substantia animata sensibilis, et homo est animal rationale mortale. So, uh, furthermore, essential definition with regard to denominatives differences is predicated as when animal is anim an animated sensible substance and man is a rational mortal animal. If there is an adjectival denominative predication, which is said of what is in quale, of accident, there is also a denominative predication called by Meron's substantial. With this type of denominative predication, it is possible to predicate essential attributes, such as when a human is called animal based on animality, uh, or, or a human based on the concept of humanity, and in this sense, is done substantially. In fact, the animality and humanity of your human are said in quid according to a difference in case due to the concretion of the two terms, which are conversely ultimate abstracta. Text 12. Tertia difficultas est si in predicatis essentialibus quedi untur in quid puta questunt in recta linea est predicatio denominativa. Dicitur autem quod sic substantive, licet non adjective. 
quia ab animalitate dicitur animal et ab humanitate homo secundum differentiam casus sicut suo modo grammaticus et confirmatur quia omne quod non est ultimate abstractum est alico modo concretum given that end of quote uh, given that denominative substantial predication is said of what is in quid it is legitimate to ask what is the difference between denominative predication and proper quiditative predication as typically the phrase man is rational animal is understood as proper quiditative predication text 13th quarta difficultas quia predicatio quiditativa et denominativa videntur distingui ex opposito et ideo cum istes sint recte quiditative non videntur denominative dicitur autem quod illa quiditativa quesit in abstractione ultimata sicut cum dicitur equinitas est tantum equinitas distinguitor omnino contra denominativam enim idla quesit per aliquem concrezionem sicut dicitur homo est animal cuius concrezionis signum est quia ista non est vera humanitas est animalitas et ista quiditativa post potest etiam distingui contra denominativa adiective factam non substantive so it is possible to distinguish between quiditative predication and adjectival denominative predication which does not predicate anything necessary furthermore it becomes clear that the proper quiditative predication in a strict sense comes closer to a tautology as when one says equinitas as equinitas the animality predicated of a man on the contrary is concrete in that is not pure animality predicated of pure humanity otherwise in the proposition humanity is animality would be true for animality to be predicated therefore it needs concretion to materialize into something different from itself in the sense of animality conceived as the ultimate abstraction thus it is possible to distinguish quiditative predication of something that is the ultimate abstraction from denominative predication which as mentioned requires concretion text number 14th sed remanet difficultas quare in predicatis essentialibus sit talis denominatio cum sint idem essentialiter predicatum et sum subiectum et idem non denominet se ipsum dicitur autem quod in talibus secundum quod patuit in sophiste superius est par essentialis sui inferioris et non idem omnino et pars de toto non potes dici nisi secundum aliquam denominationem intelligatur quia nullum totum est sua pars quamvis sit abens illam partem ideo animal non est anima sed animatum in predicates of accidents denomination should be understood in the same way it is placed in things that are in predicate of substance as both genus and difference are the essential parts of species thus white when understood in terms of quality is color even though whiteness is not being colored when understood in the ultimate abstractions albedo is not ultimately abstract but an intermediate state between the concrete particular this white album and the ultimate abstraction which is whiteness albedinatus therefore being a simplex abstract as it is separated from the subject it can be said denominatively 
in this sense, denomination must be understood according to the thing, even if it is not expressed in the words. When the discussion shifts from the categorical level to that of being, the question is relevant because ratio entis ultimate abstracta videtur dici de omnibus. It is essential to note that concerning predication in its general sense, Maironius consider it an act of that while saying something about reality is primarily mental, the predication. Non accipitur hoc solum ditio vocalis, imo principaliter mentalis, cum actus predicationis it principaliter in intellectu, sicut actus compositionis. End of quote. There, there are two levels of predication, one limited to immanence and the categorical level, and the other concerning transcendentals. The first follows the division according to genus, species, differences, uh, and so on, while the second, which pertains to transcendentals, does not adhere to this division. Predication of being falls into the second category. The challenge Mayron faces is how it is possible for there to be truth in a quiditative predication of something in its ultimate abstractions as in the case of whiteness. It is at this point uh, that the discussion shifts from the categorical level from the, uh, that of transcendentals, such as the concept of being. Meronius acknowledges the possibility of quidditative predication in its ultimate abstraction. If, on the other hand, predicate and subject are somehow distinct, as in the case of uh, with whiteness and this white, of which whiteness is predicated, it is not genuinely genuinely possible to make a quiditative predication of something true unless predicate and subject coincide though, uh, through a predication that say the same about the same as in saying equinitas est equinitas or humanitas est humanitas. Text number 15. Quarta difficultas est si in aliqua predicatio quiditativa potest esse vera in ultimata abstractione. Dicitur autem quod licet istud non videatur in predicamentis, tamen bene in transcendentibus, quia ratio entis ultimate abstracta videtur dici de omnibus. Pereo quod omnes quiditates sunt quedam entitates, nisi fiat abstractio per secundas intenziones, ut cum dicitur quod ratio formalis humanitatis non est ratio formalis entitatis. Sed revertitud difficultas. Si invenitur aliqua quiditativa predicatio in omni abstractione ultimata, dicitur autem quod sic, quando idem omnino dicitur de se ipso, ut cum dicitur quod equinitas est equinitas, vel humanitas est humanitas. Alioquin, ubi predicatum et subiectum sunt aliqua modo distinta, non potest unum de alio affirmare ultimata precisione con cum ultimata precisio fiat ineo, solo in quod distinguntur et secundum tale, sit remozio et non affirmatio. The distinction between denominative and quiditative predication is also present with respect to the predication of being, which can indeed be said both denominatively and quiditatively. In particular, some clarity can be derived from the fifth question of the eighth distinction of the conflatus, where Meronis discusses these two ways of predications and it seems to align with what has been said so far about denomination. Text number 16. Tertia notandum est quod illud quod est reale, dicitur dupliciter, quiditative scilicet et denominative. Primo modo, nil est quod quiditative sit res, nisi realitas tantum. Secundo autem modo, scilicet denominative, dicitur de omnibus alis, exemplum. 
sicut perfectiones quedam sunt essenziales quedam nozionales, ita aliqua di cuntur essenziale alia nozionalia. Sed tamen essenziale dicitur in primo modo dicendi per sé et quiditative de essenzia, denominative autem dicitur de alis attributis. E odem modo, dico quod homo dicitur realis, propter realitates denominative, sicut existen dicitur, existens dicitur denominative. End of quote. In this passage, it seems that denomination corresponds to non-essential predication in the second way of understanding per se, and therefore concern non-necessary attributes, such as reality existence when, for example, they are attributed to a human being, which is precisely denominated as real or existing in a denominative manner regarding a third term. However, this type of predication should be not misunderstood as analogous of attribution. As seen earlier, Meirones has already emphasized that in such cases we have denominative adjectival predication which corresponds to the case of equivocation. Meirones' conception of denominatives and denomination is quite extensive and it cannot be solely classified as equivocation. Likewise, it does not negate the possibility of univocal predication even if it is denominative. In fact, the dual nature of denomination is emphasized once more in the sixth question of the prologues of the Conflatus. Text 17. Una que accipitur a posteriori et abacidente et nunquam ista est univoca, sicut a justitia dicitur justus, alia que essentialiter accipitur a priori et ista potest esse univoca quia reducibili ad primum modum dicendum, sicut predicatio generis de differentia et sicut predicatio transcendentium que est vera, vera univoca. Uh, univoca, not univocal, yes. <laughs> um, so the conclusion, this particular aspect of denominative predication plays an important role in the context of the possibility of having a univocal concept of ens when said of both God and creatures. It is not a quiditative predication, purely thought, but a denomination that predicates something which is still said in quid, but hence and hence per se. In this sense, the concept of being is one and univocal when said of God a creature. However, the ratio deitatis propria is unknownable to humans because for, for something that is simplicity or simplex, like divine essence, it is not possible to have a proper and adequate concept. Furthermore, the divine essence is primo diversa and would only have a concept that is idem um, ipsum. Yeah. And what is said in quid of something holds a prior place in the order essentiali, essentialis. It is not possible to imagine that if something is predicated in quid, it would be part of an essential order because essentialis pars comes before everything in that order. There is no formal ratio that precedes datas, and it would be against it to have a quiditative concept different from its own adequate concept. According to Meirons, the order of the formalis uh, ratio of God concerning the divine essence is not known in a natural, but always in an indistinct and confused way. Uh, references, Conflatus, Distinction 3, Question 1. Also, Meirones' division between intuitive and abstractive cognition plays an important role in 
in what we can know of God. At last mention, without claiming to exhaust the issue, which, by the way, deserves further exploration, he considers the notitia arguitiva, a cognition which starts from intuitive cognitions, the only one with which we can argue that God exists and it is the first principle. Thanks to this process and his conception of university, he keeps the unsurmountable distance between God and creatures. Quiditas is a conceptual ens, extra anima, while substances are acci uh, and accidents are extra animum, but real. Properly speaking, quiditas corresponds to a formalitas which is neither produced by the soul nor a real being in a proper sense. A man's quiddity remains the same after death of the body and is the same in act and in potentiality. Um, While for Scotus, potentia objectiva is the relation that essence of something has towards its existence, Merons defines it as potentia autem objectiva est illa in qua esse intelligitur res ante quam creentur. He also says, per quiditates non intelliguntur nisi rationes formales quiditative rerum in se. Creabilia autem sunt apta nata a Deo creari. Esse essentie non est aliud acquiditate, quia esse essentie est illud de quodicitur definitio judicat esse, non autem nisi quiditative. What concerns the potentia objectiva does not apply to the accident of the thing, but to its proper being, and it is essentially predicable. Indeed, illud quod convenit quiditati per accidens non ponitur in potentia objectiva et in esse quiditativo. It is necessary to emphasize the vast difference from Scotus, who would not say that quiditas is univocal, as university concern only the real concept and, specifically, the real concept. Being is not a quiddity. In contrast, according to Meiron, as for Bonetus, it is. Thus, quiddity itself allows to a leap. If the ultimate horizon of philosophical reflection on the predicability of being are to determine something about the knowledge of God, it seems that in the univocal conception of being according to Meron's, we know very little. God himself is much more closer to the Aristotle's God in Book 4 of the Metaphysics, something unattainable and not determinable clearly and distinctly. Meronis seems to find a way to predicate university between God and creatures in order not to deal with a completely absent concept of God, saving both the distance and the proper concept, since does not posit analogy in reality. Um, the nominative predication saves university, but in a diminished way, because it is not about the proper concept of God, his quiddity precise. Despite this, talking about how things are in reality, he seems to support a much more strong university. Indeed, he posits a real concept of being, which is univocally predicated of the ens rationis, not the one dependent on the soul, and the ens extra animam. <clears throat> to conclude, Meironis deals with Scotus' definitions of university that he dropped. And this is the main reason why he has to modify the reality of the concept of being, which, against the conceptual university, is about reality. Not an integral reality, but a middle way where different degrees of it are considered. 
In this sense, uh, the Aristotelian motto that being can be said in different ways is still valid.